listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now your hosts, Scott and Miles. Your table is ready. It's long and This is the capital. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to Sci-Fi Diner Conversations. This is episode 76. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And good evening, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And this is a place where we chat about what we're watching. We don't hold back. We kind of kind of just vomit it all out there. That's not a bad thing at the diner. Um, it just means we're appreciating what we're eating and delving into. And I kind of view it, maybe this is kind of gross, it kind of like, you know, there are some cultures where if you burp, it means that you appreciate the food. Right. Uh, so this is kind of like when we, when we put it out there, we're just appreciating everything that's being served here at the diner that we're delving into and eating into. We're appreciating what you're watching because some of what you're watching is not what we're watching. And, and we will spoil things. We will definitely spoil things. It is very good. So uh, in our main show, we did a pretty good job of dissecting Thing, far point 2013 right mm. especially in our sci-fi five and five if you haven't listened to that make sure you listen to it um i'm not sure we have to say a heck of a lot here because we're going to be talking about there any other moments that we didn't include in that do you want to talk to talk i think you're right i think we did we did a pretty good job of um sharing our 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 time at far point um Please visit our Facebook page. Uh, both Scott and I post uh, lots of pictures. Lots of pictures. There's some videos on there. You know, we went to the con with a new kind of a new member of, I guess, an honorary member of the Sci-Fi Diner, right? Right. Uh, mm-hmm. David Moulton from the Landcast podcast joined us, and we are sounding good at the con because of him primarily and his equipment. Um, but he was also there to help do interviews, and my understanding is the interviews on Sunday when I wasn't there went very well. I, I believe they did, yes. So I'm looking forward to hearing them because it'll be a total surprise for me. You right. Because typically, I think we've done that with Catherine Hicks, you interviewed by yourself. And, right. And uh, I think that's probably one of the only interviews you interviewed by yourself, right? That is true, yes. And so, mm-hmm. so, it was, uh, and so I got to kind of enjoy that for our first time, so it'll be good to kind of delve in and enjoy those for the first time since mm-hmm. I wasn't actually there. Uh, especially kind of interesting to Ron Paulson with all the voices he did. Oh, yeah, that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. Um, uh, one other thing before we leap into some stuff about what we've been watching uh, is that Colin, our good friend from the uh, – from uh, Trek News and Views. Now, thank you. I couldn't remember their name. It was Podcast. I was losing all sorts of geek credit. I'm sorry, Colin. Um, but he posted two new YouTube videos on our YouTube channel, and you can go to YouTube and just look up Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, and we'll be there. Um, I haven't edited these, so I have to edit. Hopefully, by the time you get this, you, I will have edited the, these. But he put up an uh, Anthony Montgomery interview and uh, one we did with Regret. Oh, cool. So uh, two interviews that should be up there. And, um, and thank you, Colin. Thank you, thank you, thank you for putting our YouTube stuff up because I just don't do it. And he is phenomenal and does that. Thank you, Colin. Yep, thank you, Colin. We love you so much. So, Miles, guess what I watched? Tell me. I watched Dread. Oh, okay. Did you watch Dread? I have not watched Dread yet. Um, So, Carl Urban, right? I loved him in Star Trek Mm Eleven. Looking forward to seeing him back in Star Trek Mm Twelve. But I got a chance to see him as Dread. You, of course, don't see his face, but it is his voice. And... It's a pretty good story. Mm-hmm. It's um, now you you don't watch Dread for the deep plot. <laughs> this is like watching I don't know anything any any action movie like that for a deep plot, but some great explosions. Um, you know, it's kind of fun. It's a fun ride. It's definitely a good treadmill movie. I mean, everything. It's interesting because I knew that most of the movie took place in like the equivalent of a sky rise, right? Which means you're limited as far as where you can go and what you can do. It's not like you're in this big, epic, grand chase throughout a city type thing. Mm-hmm. This is happening all within a block. And it's happening with you know, Judge Dredd and this rookie sidekick of a cop that he's kind of training to be a new judge. Um, 
and she kind of passes the test. Mm. Um, this is, and then there's this whole kind of, there's judges that have been kind of bought out that he has to kind of deal with and he figures out and it's pretty good. Yeah. It's something I do want to see. Yeah. It, it, it's well worth it. Now people, I think people would probably ask me, what did I think about this in comparison with the original dread? Because this was supposed to be, if I'm recalling this correctly, miles supposed to be more accurate and more in line with the comics. That's what my understanding. Yeah. So I did not read the comics and I'm going to admit, admit something in the air here. Miles, I did not see the original dread. With Stallone, mm-hmm. and by my understanding, there's a good uh, there's a good deal of camp in that one. Yeah, which maybe brought some of the n- n- not not love for uh, yeah, Stallone version. Some of the haters for it. Uh, I'm not sure that I mean. Okay, it's sci-fi, and whenever you're dealing with like a judge, and you have this sort of scenario, there's a certain sense where okay, there's some camp to it. Mm-hmm. But um, I I kind of bought it. I was with him. I was with him for the ride. I was enjoying the ride. Um, I loved the way it ended. The music was cat. That's the other thing. One of the things that stuck out to me for an action flick, there was some gorgeous music kind of playing as a bed at certain moments of the scene. It was just beautifully done. I don't know who did the music, but I loved the music in this one. Mm-hmm. It, it, the music musically, it was well done. So I'd love to hear what Arrowwood has to say on that, but because you know, being the music guy, he is. But those of you who saw Dread, let me know what you thought. Let me know what you thought of the music. But I, I'm a huge fan of it, and you got to watch Dread. I'll have to watch it sometime. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, well, let's talk Continuum. Mm-hmm. So Continuum aired last night. Miles, you watched it, right? Yeah, I'm caught up on Continuum. So tell me what happened. I heard that episode six, which is this is episode six, or is this five? We aren't six yet. I, this is like this is like four or five, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand that our, we have an upcoming episode that's going to be kind of a game changer. People were dialoguing about it on Twitter today. That's kind of why, why I'm saying that. But so tell me, what happened in last, last night episode? What do I look forward to? I haven't watched it yet. Liberate was, I will, I will say Liberate was very successful in its mission. Um, and yes, Kira and her partner were able to, you know, bust some people. But I think um, Liberate still looking like a... You know, was, uh, they smell like a rose at the end of this episode, as far as because um, they've taken their message to the people, mm. and um, we got to see more of uh, Tony Amendola, which is always good. Um, always, always good. Mm-hmm. So, um, and there was a earlier scene about um, that this this place, this food distribution place, got raided, and. Um, you know, at first they thought maybe it was something else, but then when they realized it was food, this food was not distributed when it should have been. Um, Kira was questioning, you know, the system. Maybe you know that that, that people would, would raid and steal food. So, um, so so that that was that, that that's another thing with, with with the whole the the blurry of lines between good and evil in this is, you know, obviously you know the corporate Congress is not the benevolent. Um, um, you know, government that it, it, it's painted itself out to be and liberate. Um, I would say, you know, I would think probably for a lot of us, we would hear what they have to say in their message. Probably there's a lot of truth to what they're saying, but at the same time, there's, there, there's a lot of blood on their hands. And so they have to be stopped. Uh, apparently this was episode six, by the way. Okay. But, mm-hmm. but um, you know, so how are you feeling about liberate at this point? It's, you know, on one hand, you're rooting for them. I mean, they they they, they kidnap this corporate um, executive, and she is corrupt to the hilt, and she has done some really bad things, and that's what Liberate wants. They they want these people brought to justice. They want, um, you know, and so it, it seems like they're there's they're, they're this Robin Hood almost. But at the same time, I can't, you know, they've killed they've killed too many innocent people. Um, I, you know, they have they have to be stopped at what they're doing. Um, you know, it's I, I, I you find yourself hearing the message and it resonates with you, but um, but 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 some of the methods they they've they use is is um, you know um, deplorable. So. 
Um, but it, it it's but at the same time, it, the show is engaging the mind as well as entertaining me. And I so, think it's well, one of the reasons I like the show. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I'm going to be honest. Cape Cod Scott would agree with exactly what you just said. Okay. So here's what he wrote in, and this is a kind of response to some of our discussion about continuum. He goes, "Hi, Scott and Miles. Just caught up in the episode where you discussed the continuum episode where uh, Kagame, uh, or Kagame, I guess Tommy Amendola came back and took over the group again." In that discussion, you talked about how the Liberate group has shades of gray when it came to whether they're good guys or bad guys. While I agree with that some of their ends seem laudable, for me, their means eliminate any talk of them being good guy freedom fighters. After all, in the opening scene of episode one, they killed 30,000 people to target 200. That makes them forever bad. And now that they're in this time, most of them have no qualms about killing innocent people left and right. Uh, so, so to me, their ends don't justify their means, and they're bad guys. I do like the Kellogg character, though. He seems different, and I admit I'd love to have the chance to go back in time and invest in Apple, Microsoft, etc. at their startup, bet on the long shop Maple Leafs, too. So I can borrow, so can I borrow your time machine, please? I'm pretty sure I only need it for a minute. Laugh out loud. So I'm loving Continuum, Arrow, Person of Interest, and Elementary, and Missing Fringe. Love your podcast, too. Never miss a download. And so, as usual, hey, Miles, good night and good luck. You too, Scott. Hmm. Stay warm. Cape Cod Scott. So uh, thank you, Cape Cod Scott, for calling in. And, you know, I just want to say this. One of the things that we see here at the very beginning, he's mentioned episode one when all those people get killed. Sure. I agree with that. Unless we find out later on that it wasn't actually Liberate that did it, and the government did it and painted Liberate to be the bad guys. That could be. So oh, we, we get like a little deception pulled over our eyes. We're seeing it through the government eyes and not through Liberate's eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree. They, they certainly have done some appalling things. Right, and they've already changed the timeline to, to some degree. I mean, with the people they've killed in, the pres- in our present, uh, these are people that... You know, would have had lives later or they brush haven't them. changed the timeline. Didn't you watch the other episode? In the future, they they they, they kill off one guy's grandmother. And he's still around. They, the timeline hasn't been altered. We'll see. Whether that's a did, did they deal with that this episode? No, they don't deal they, with that at all. Yeah. So I mean, this is non-linear time. This is like you do something back here and it creates a divergent timeline. Well, that ha- that hasn't been settled yet. I mean, you, you might be right, but uh, yeah, I'm betting on it. I'm okay. betting it. You can quote me on it, and I could be totally wrong. And I'm okay with that. Okay. So do you want to read what Jim had to say about this episode? Sure. He watched the episode last night too. And he says, apparently, I think he's saying this is episode six. I could be totally wrong because I didn't watch it. But okay. go ahead. What did Jim say? It was a tiny bit of a letdown after episode five. But that's only because episode five was so darn good. We do get a lot of insight into, in, I don't know how to pronounce his, his name, but Kagame's mind works in the episode six. Kagame. That, that, that sounds <laughs> okay. good. It would seem that uh, he is not motivated by personal gain and that he really is concerned more about advancing the cause of freedom in the future and not in, the, in, in for personal gain. It kind of blurs the lines between good and evil. Is Liberate actually the good guys? And the people that uh, cure actually the good guys? While I can understand Liberate's cause, one cannot condone their methods for advancing their cause. Perhaps what, what motivated their traveling back in time was that they weren't doing much good in the future, so they instead would be, try to affect the change in the past. I find it hard to draw any conclusions on who is right and who is wrong with that clear picture of the future. Great show. Yeah. And Lee Kemp said, it looks like you guys are enjoying the show. I've already seen the entire season. It's very good, and it helps that I have a relative man, Vancouver, who sent me a thumb drive. That must be nice. Yeah, it would be. And that's where Vancouver, all good sci-fi shows are from, as you said. Yep. Yeah. So anything more in Continuum? Continuing to enjoy it. It continues to play out. I can't wait to watch the episode I missed. Yeah, it's a, it, so far it's a fantastic uh, series. Yeah. So uh, Being Human, three points, I guess season three, episode six, what's blood got to do with it? Um, I am not watching it. You still watching Being Human? Oh, no, I stopped a long time ago. Yeah, so it's still on. My understanding, it's a final season for it. If you're watching Being Human, let us know what you are thinking of it because we aren't hearing much from it here. I don't know if people just have stopped watching it. Maybe you're watching and just haven't called in and shared, and we want to hear from you. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Walking Dead, however, Miles, you are watching. I am watching, and I'm caught up. And And uh, so tell me, what happened Sunday? Well, on Sunday, uh, we see... 
we see our heroes in a bad place. Um, Don't Rick, we always? Uh, <laughs> you know, Rick is seeing a woman in a white dress, um, and you know he he just you know he's just in a bad way. Um, Glenn wants to do a preemptive strike on uh, the governor. Um, Herschel is trying to talk him out of it. Herschel's trying to say, "Hey, we, maybe we should just we need to find another place to live." Um, and um, then you, you see what's going on with uh, Daryl and Merle. Um, Merle Merle is still Merle from what we saw him in season one, but Daryl we see has um, has humanity. Um, there's a scene where he goes out to help the, these people that are being um, attacked by walkers, and uh, Merle thinks basically they should get paid for it, and I guess there's some food in the back, and, and Merle points his crossbow at him and, you know, um, you know, Merle's not. I mean, Daryl's not just a redneck with a with a crossbow. I mean, the man has you know, he has his morals and ethics, and um, and so they decide to go back to the prison. But um, the the governor, it, it appears to be he's a defeated man. But um, and um, but you you sound like you're doubtful. Well, well, it, in the show, um, we we the governor and he has some of his cronies uh, attack the prison. And so that's where you know, he and brilliant tactic. Uh, they they have this armored vehicle that that busts through the prison, and they open the back up, and all these walkers come out. So you know the people have to deal with walkers. Um, however, in, in in doing so, um, Herschel is trying to get Rick to snap out of it. And so Herschel is outside trying to talk to Rick, but in, in so doing, um, they um, everybody comes together. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, there's a fractured group. But then um, uh, Glenn and his girlfriend are both, you know, because there's, they, they've sort of been on the outs um, um, because just, just trying to talk about what happened. But this, this brings everybody together because they have a common enemy. And, right. But that always helps. It always helps. I mean, it, it seems to snap Rick out of his malaise. And, uh, um, and so you see everybody together at the end. So I, th- I thought that was... Uh, that, that was pretty good. So another good episode for you? Uh, to me, it was another good episode, yeah. It sounds like there was some character development, some drama, not just action and slaughtering. Right, but there, but, but there was that too. Michonne yeah, was yeah. Uh, chopping heads off, you know. Well, you can't, you can't have Walking Dead without that, right? Right. Right, right. right. Mm-hmm. Gem N said, oh my God, another great intense episode. Poor, I can't think of the prisoner's name that got shot. You knew he was a goner when we were just starting to actually like the guy, and then blammo. Loved it when Daryl, when it was Daryl to the rescue with the Spanish people, and then it was kind of sweet that Merle just couldn't leave Daryl when he wanted to go back to the prison. What did Jason have to say about this episode? So Jason says, uh, Axel, couldn't have couldn't have him getting too comfortable with Carol with Daryl coming back. It was a shock nonetheless. Had to expect the governor to retaliate as soon as possible. Yeah, so he was answering, couldn't remember the guy's name, and he said Axel. So. That was a good, I mean, you see them two talking, you know, they're just and then you just see a bullet wound in his head, and he falls down, and that's when all hell breaks loose. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's move into our, our first listener voicemail tonight. This actually comes from Jen from New York. So let's go ahead and just listen and see what she has to share. Hi, guys. This is Jen from New York, and this is my uh, little voicemail about Supernatural 101. Here we go. That was the my little rendition of their, what there should have been an uh, unofficial uh, theme song to the show, Supernatural. I mean, that song just kind of sums up the show all in one. I don't know if you've ever, yeah, the Kansas song. It's like been, just been awesome every time when they play, like, you know, the little promo in the beginning, like, uh, The Road So Far, and it always just sums it up in a nutshell. We always, all, all our, us fans, like, look forward to that every time. And sorry I hadn't called in it for a while, but... Uh, you know, things just come up and, you know, it's been kind of crazy around here on the weekends and we just got a whole bunch of snow outside just now again. You know, so it's been fun, really. But uh, I just want to mention, if you ever guys do like a re-watch of Supernatural, I would definitely say to watch it, you know, straight on from like season one 
to five because I mean that those were like the best seasons that I ever. I mean, you know, if you want me to give you a fast little history of it, I mean, it's, you know, about two brothers that uh, you know their mother had been killed when they were like little. I think Sam was a baby and you know Tim was a couple years older, and you know then their father like brought them up to be hunters and uh, you know Dean's thing was always like at his job. You know, he always felt that his job was to practice, protect his younger brother. You know, his dad never had to even tell him. You know, and Sam's thing was always that, you know, when he was a baby, that a demon had given him demon blood as a baby. And that was like, you know, how he was able to have like all these psychic abilities in the first couple of seasons. That was like when it was like so good. And, you know, then he finally like, you know, faced up with Lucifer and, you know, they, they saved the world from the apocalypse. And, you know, in the first couple of seasons, it was always about, like, the, you know, monster of the week kind of thing that they had to hunt. You know, their job was, like, you know, saving people and hunting things. That was the family business. And, uh, you know, now it's gotten, like, you know, more calmed down. I mean, I wouldn't say calmed down a bit. I mean, even after, like, you know, season five where they had the, you know, when they saved the world from the apocalypse, that, uh, you know, Sam, you know, Sam went to hell instead of Dean this time. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a little bit of a stretch, you know, but he, each brother had gone to hell at one time or another. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then when Sam came back, he was kind of, like, soulless for, like, the, you know, one or two seasons. And after that, he didn't really have that much to do, if it seemed like, in like, these, like, six, like season seven and eight, kind of, really. And uh, just now it gave me kind of new hope in this uh, half the season eight that uh, they recently came up with this thing that where, like, the Winchesters also had a legacy if John didn't become a hunter that and if his father never like left him that uh, you know he wouldn't become a man of letters kind of thing where they were kind of like you know like the watchers of the show like how they were like in Buffy and or Highlander if you've ever watched those shows where that they would like write down things like you know what they found out about different monsters or things that the hunters have been through and they had their kind of like like little secret elite team of hunters and they would give this information to. So I felt like that would be something that Sam could get into this, you know, now. And like I said, it gave me new hope again, like, for the show. Because for the longest time, it's been kind of like, I don't want to say boring. Because, like, it's been really kind of, like, hard. Because, I mean, every episode has, like, had a, a, each unique thing. And I also want to mention, too, that even Felicia Day recently has been in a couple episodes. And I just found out that she signed on to a third one. So, you know, she does her own, like, geek thing that brought to the show, which is fun. You know, that's what they've been doing now, kind of like a freaks and geeks thing now. So, and I also think it's interesting, too, that instead of doing, like, a Monster of the Week lately, that they've been doing, like, they've been showing how, like, uh, you know, humans are kind of more, like, scarier than the actual monsters are sometimes, which is true in real life sometimes, I would think. But, uh, like I said, the show has given me new hope again. That the, in, this, in the past couple of episodes, and it's been like brought it back to life. I think if they keep it up. So, like I said, I'm like, if you guys ever get into uh, watching the show, I, I highly recommend it. So that's just my take on that. Um, and as for other shows, I've been really liking, uh, and also can't wait until like The Walking Dead comes back on Sunday night. You know, and especially in the promo ads that I've seen recently, that I'm hoping that they do not. Do not kill Daryl off, because otherwise I would be so upset, really. I mean, you know, in the promo end, it said, like, what if the brothers come out of it alive, you know, kind of thing. And, I, you know, and it was just hard, because I, I almost kind of like Merle now, too. It's kind of like, oh, jeez, if only they were going to kill Andrea off. Because Andrea's been kind of annoying lately. I could do without her a little bit there, too. but And it'll be good to see, like, you know, what they do with Tyrese, you know, from the comic books and the, and the show. I look forward to all that, so can't wait for that. And I've also been liking Continuum, like you guys were talking about. You know, it's interesting. I think if it wasn't for the fact that she has the suit, you know, with all that technology from the future. And it is kind of tricky when you play with time travel and all that. And if she expects to get back to her, like, original timeline with her kid and all, and... You know, and that's really rough if they keep playing with certain things. I had watched a recent episode, so I kind of have to catch up on that. But, you know, it kind of reminds me of Terminator-esque kind of thing. And I do like the, her relationship with the kid as well. You know, and that's interesting, too, right there. 
And I'm almost, it would be interesting if they would do an episode where, like, her son in a different timeline comes back to try to save her kind of thing, you know? That'd be kind of cool. You know, my, just my thought on that. And I've been also really liking Arrow, you know? Especially love his workout scenes, although they haven't had his workout scenes in the past two episodes. But I really did love Vertigo, so that kind of made up for it. <laughs> and also, uh, I also have to kind of, like, watch uh, Arrow from this week also as well. But I did catch the end part where looks like he is catching up to his mom a little bit there. I'd like to find out ooh, what he thinks he knows about her, you know, betrayal and all. And uh, I would like to see what uh, happened to the Chinese guy, too, that was helping him on the island, you know. And like you guys suggested it, you know. Hmm. And also about, like, John Barrowman's part in it, too, as well. That makes sense. So we shall, we shall see about that. And uh, what else has been, like, really good lately? Um, but loving, like, you know, being human is really good, too. It's like, it's like all these other, like, vampire shows and, you know, monster shows, you know. If it was all happy and, you know, hoopla, I mean, there wouldn't be a show, you know. But, uh, and it's kind of, like, funny how they're dealing with the vampires on this one now. It's like they have this flu thing going on that, you know, Ain can't really find, you know, good blood to survive on. So, like, almost all the vampires are, like, gone now. So he has to deal with that, like, being all alone. He wanted to be, you know, he wanted to be out of that whole vampire thing, but now that all the vampires are gone, he feels alone. So, so that was the end of her voicemail. Okay. And uh, Jen, we do appreciate, I know she probably got cut off there because it was a pretty long voicemail, as you know. Um, but thank you so much for calling in. And you actually shared some stuff we were kind of skirting around here, and I'm glad we got some feedback on. Yeah, we haven't talked about Arrow yet. Yeah, we, yeah, we didn't. We, mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think I was thinking that we had talked about it because we did it in the live show. Mm-hmm. That's why so I didn't include it here. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is missing Arrow's <laughs> workout scenes. Um, and uh, Miles, I know you are too, but... I, I just need some inspiration. Right, right, right. You know, so it's just something to work out when you're at the gym. You can just picture yourself looking like Arrow and it's motivation, right? Uh, right. she, she already kind of schooled us on Supernatural. She said, this is Supernatural 101. Mm-hmm. I love the uh, Kansas song. Uh, I did too, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Carry on my way. I won't sing it here for you, but mm-hmm. but it, it it was very, very good. It was kind of good to hear that. And um, I'm not surprised. that the first. I remember hearing the first five seasons that they ended with the apocalypse. And... Um, and I was wondering what they were going to do to follow up. And she sounds like the subsequent seasons after that just were missing something. Hmm. Um, kind of monster of the week. And she, she used the words like it kind of calmed down. Hmm. Do you want to say that about a show you're watching, that it's calmed down? I, I don't think so. That's not, that doesn't sound like, that sounds like it could be positive, but I don't think it is in this case. She is saying that season eight is picking up. And I can imagine why. After all, they had Felicia Day on. Right, and um, Amanda Tapping. And Amanda Tapping. So if you're going to put in Amanda Tapping and Felicia Day, of course the show's going to pick up. I would think. I mean, I might even want to watch Supernatural now that they're on. And I kind of, it's always been kind of the show that I was kind of mildly interested in, just had too many other shows that have taken my time. Yeah, I'm I'm considering giving it a try. It's on Netflix uh, streaming, so that's, it, it probably wouldn't be a huge thing to me to... You know, check check into that. I know Supernatural was was popular show at, at the con. They even had a um, one of the panels. Is uh, is eight is eight enough? So I right. guess um, so. Some people want more. It sounds like so. Um, saw saw Supernatural merchandise there too. Yeah, and by the way, she did mention being human. We talked about no one's talking about being human. Mm-hmm. Well, Jen M's watching it and actually really enjoying it. And the idea that this one this vampire is kind of lonely. Mm-hmm. That's what well, that's Sam Whitmer's character, right? Whitmer's character. Yeah. He's a vampire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, he's kind of lonely, and all the vampires are gone. So it sounded like she's still enjoying that. Um, she did mention some things about Continuum. I know we talked about Continuum earlier, but she mentioned it being kind of Termer, Terminator-esque. And I haven't, I haven't really thought about it in that way. But the idea of these people coming back in, and Terminator coming back from the future in a ball mm-hmm. and trying to stop certain things in the past or you know thwart certain things in the past... That's kind of Terminator-esque. Yeah, that theme has has kind of been done before, but I, I think Continuum's doing its own thing. Yeah. You know, she 
um, Jen brought up that right now uh, Kira doesn't have her suit, um, which has all those nifty gadgets in it, but she still has the those implants in her, like she can target and, the gun. and, the, and her gun. Yeah. Uh, so she still has some of her gadgets, uh, but just what she has in herself, they put these, this chip in her or whatever, you know, she can basically use, um, her, her, you know, her eyes to, um, to target stuff. I mean, her, you know, she could be with that. She could be a sharpshooter. Yeah. So, and, and she can, you know, Alec can still chime in and help her out a lot. Yeah. So uh, what do you think about the idea of the sun coming back to save her as a plot device? That's... Um, it would have to be a future hmm, sun because he's yeah. been young now. Yeah. It would ha- it, that's the only way it works is if, is if he comes back from the future. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure that they're sending more people back. So that's certainly a plot line that they can potentially use in the future. If sure. They choose to. If, that, would, that would help keep the, the series going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we have another voice. We have we have some other voicemail, but I, I thought that before I get to this voicemail, this is a voicemail from Rick from Wisconsin. He's going to talk about. Um, actually, I'm I'm going to play the first one. He talks about the whole Star Wars conversation we had with Raul. Remember that Lee or someone else t- kind of took him to school. I don't think it was you, Lee, but uh, someone took him to school about saying Star Wars is sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Remember. Uh, was that Lee? Oh, that might have been Lee. Might have been. I, mm-hmm. We're going to blame it on you, Lee. That way. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. It's not. Um, but um, Rick from Wisconsin talks about in a voicemail, and I'll allow him to kind of introduce that conversation, and we're going to read Raul's response to this about being sci-fi. Let's hear what uh, Rick, Rick has to say. Hey, Sci-Fi Diner. This is Rick from Wisconsin calling. Uh, I have some feedback about shows that I'm watching and uh, some of your topics from your recent uh, episodes. I wanted to say that I always thought of Star Wars as science fiction because I didn't even think of fantasy as a genre that I was familiar with when I discovered Star Wars. Um, I guess maybe it fits when I compare it with things like The Hobbit or the C.S. Lewis books, but uh, I always thought of it with spaceships and being in space, to me, makes it science fiction. And uh, the arguments about science fiction being something futuristic, I mean, that's true in the history of science fiction. You can go back and read Jules Verne, H.G. Wells, uh, some of the stuff that they expected to happen in the future actually happened. And uh, some of my favorite books were written by Robert Heinlein in the 50s and uh, projected things that that have actually kind of happened in a way. Um, but I don't know that it has to. Up that I've read uh, is nothing that I guess maybe it could potentially happen. But uh, who knows? Anyway, on to uh, television. Uh, have really enjoyed Arrow. Arrow is still with the best uh, of the new shows. I still like Walking Dead. It's hard to say which one I like better. I, maybe maybe I still like Walking Dead better, if you consider that a science fiction show. And um, I'm liking Continuum. The one thing I have not heard mentioned uh, when you discussed Continuum is the actor David Cross. He was in a series that was made for sci-fi years ago called First Wave, and he's been in other shows. In fact, he was in a couple episodes of um, Arrow. And I said the name wrong. It's uh, Roger Cross. He is um, the... The one uh, of the bad guys there, I don't remember his, his name in this show yet, but uh, the one that, uh, the guy that played Braytech from uh, Stargate SG-1 had to kind of put in his place this week, uh, the most recent episode that uh, was on. And uh, I wanted to say, as far as uh, sci-fi movies go, there was a movie we rented on uh, DVD because Someone else had talked about it on Twitter and mentioned it had uh, time travel as a component of the film. Um, We watched an hour of it, and my wife said, I can't believe you're watching a romantic movie because you thought it was sci-fi. 
but um, it actually did have a little bit of sci-fi in it. Um, but it was a little more like a romantic movie. But I found it entertaining, and it was kind of strange. If you liked Primer, you you might like this movie. And I went and bought out of a Blu-ray bin at Walmart for, I think it was five bucks, the uh, movie Equal Again, because I remember you doing the rewind about it. I realized from listening to the rewind that I had never seen it. So I actually stopped into the episode when I realized it was not the movie I thought it was. And now I need to go back and uh, re-listen to that after I've, after I've watched the film. I liked Equilibrium pretty well. It was reminiscent to me of Fahrenheit 451 and uh, a movie that was made after it that's a little similar was Priest. Um, so those are some good uh, that's my recent science fiction. And then uh, we're watching Once Upon a Time. We got caught up on Grit, all the episodes from season two that have been on so far. We've watched now, and we watched like seven of them last week to get caught up. It's coming back in a couple, uh, I think it's later this month. And I have to say, season two is so much better for me than what season one was. I, I'm really liking the show now. And uh would encourage you to try to catch up and watch Grimm. I think it's good. I like it a lot better than Supernatural, which I watched the first season of that. But um, I think I'll, I'll let you go with all of that. Thanks. Well, Rick from Wisconsin, thank you so much for calling in and giving us your feedback. And he said some pretty awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I found it interesting as he was talking, he talked about Star Wars, about being sci-fi and comparing it to fantasy and kind of didn't really think about it as being a fantasy story. Um, we'll get into some of Raul's thoughts in a little bit, but he's kind of seen saying that this is kind of definitely sci-fi for him. Well, as a child, I, I mean, I, I only identify with the sci-fi elements of, of it. I mean... The spaceships, the laser guns, um, the lightsabers. The lightsabers. Yeah. Uh, I did. At that age, I wasn't picking up on the fantasy element of it, um, and it happened in space. So, yeah. <laughs> I felt like he's kind of doubting himself now. Like he, he said, "Yeah, you know, I'm walk. I'm watching Walking Dead. If you can call that sci-fi, like somehow mm-hmm. it was like, well, if S- Star Wars isn't sci-fi, then Walking Dead is that really sci-fi? I mean, well." He, I mean, probably many would say it's horror, but at the same time, what created it? I mean, this is a scientific experiment gone wrong. This is uh, right. We see the facility at the end of season one. You know that 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 that, the CDC there. Yeah, yeah. um, That that it's a virus that everybody. I mean, so there is a sci-fi element to this because it is a virus that caused mm. you know caused this. Yeah. Even though honestly, there's nothing really sci-fi about what's Killing zombies. Well, no, not in killing but, zombies. But, no. but it is a post-apocalyptic world, so mm-hmm. I guess it's kind of sci-fi in that way. Mm-hmm. But you know, he he sounded like he, he sounded like when he was talking about ours as ours his new favorite show. Although he guesses he still likes Walking Dead a bit more, mm-hmm. and so it sounds like he's kind of saying, you know, Arrow this and I guess because of the popularity of Walking Dead. For me, when I listen to that, that's pretty high praise for Arrow. You sure, know, sure. Uh, if Arrow's kind of up and up, uh, and his eyes up to the level of Walking Dead for mm-hmm. him, that says a lot about Arrow. So, um, I thought that's kind of cool. Um, he mentions his time travel movie. Rick, you don't mention the name of the movie, so uh, wasn't sure exactly. Yeah, I was yeah. trying to. Pick up on that, and I, yeah. um, you'll, have, you'll have to tell us the name of the movie. Yeah, if you get the name of the movie, I, I wasn't sure if it was Looper, but he didn't mention it's kind of romantic, and Looper really didn't have any romance element no, into it. No, it didn't. Um, at least not that I would interpret it. There were some, there were some love scenes or love, but it wasn't necessarily romantic per se. No, I, I would say definitely not. <laughs> definitely <laughs> not. Um, he did mention that he mentioned uh, Roger Cross, uh, and I forgot that he also was. You know, Stargate alumni and was in a lot of other stuff. He was an Arrow. Um, 
and from from Continuum. I think he wasn't Stargate. I think he was a Stargate person. Wow. I know. I know who they're talking. You IMDBing it right now. I am IMDBing. Yes. And so we will. We will have it. Um, Once upon a time, season two, better than season one. See, now I wish I was watching this because hmm. I stopped watching after season one. But, um, but some of you are saying that you like this current season two. In fact, last night's episode. Uh, I guess Sunday night's episode, Jen M said, thought it was a pretty powerful episode once again. Wow, we found out that that guy that was that Emma was with was really Gold's son and Henry's father and Rumpel is Harry's grandfather. But now Gold has been waiting to kill the boy that would lead him to the son would be his undoing. Uh-oh. Jason Taylor said, there's no way he can even think about killing Henry and getting B back. I hope he has having second thoughts at least. And Neil, who, of course, you heard... Um, from our live show, said a speculation at Once Upon a Time panel at Farpoint was right on the money. So we weren't we didn't sit in the Once Upon a Time no, panel, but not. he did and mm-hmm. said that they were right on. So it'll be interesting to see how so. Mm-hmm. Did you find out about Roger Cross? I didn't see anything about um, any Stargate. Okay, he was in um, Arrow. The- the, the, the forty four hundred, okay. Uh, Chronicles of Riddick, Star Trek Enterprise, um, Chuck, but uh, yeah, I don't see anything here about. Uh, yeah, I don't see anything about SG one. What about Arrow? Is he an Arrow? Um, I could check that real quick. Oh, here. that's fine. Um, he did mention that he was inspired to go watch Equilibrium, which he liked. He compared it to Priest. Did you see Priest? I did not see P- Priest. Yeah, it was a good movie. It was mm-hmm. a good movie, and I can see. But yeah, uh, uh, Cross was he, he was in uh, six episodes of Arrow. Oh, very good. Playing Detective Lucas Hilton. Oh, very good. So we do have some of that coming in as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, well, let's move in to talk a little bit about more about. He kind of introduced this whole thing about Star Wars, and we mentioned that one of the listeners had called in, and we said there's a throwdown happening. Or, oh, you got to <laughs> answer this right. That you know, is Star Wars really sci-fi? Right? You know, the age-old conversation: is this fantasy or sci-fi, space opera? Where do you put it? And so this is a riffraff in Star Wars, and uh, Raul is throwing down back and answering, and answering. We forget who, if it's Lee or whoever, we're blaming Lee. But tonight we're blaming Lee. We love you, Lee, but we're blaming you. Um, but is is Star Wars really sci-fi, you know? Mm-hmm. And so here's what he has to say. Why don't we sh- read every other paragraph, and okay. I'll start, and then you can pick up. Gotcha. Dear Scott and Miles, I wondered how long it would take before I was challenged on my Star Wars comments. It is historically a rather touchy subject. First of all, I didn't say Star Wars was not science fiction. I said it was not great or even good science fiction. So it's important clarification. After all, it did make my list of sci-fi films. Whether or not Star Wars is science fiction is a very old debate. Jurists will note that to be science fiction, the story must be based on the extrapolation of known or theorized science fact. For some reason, when we were tweeting, I had associated Clark uh, with part of the debate. Part in the debate, but it turns out that sci-fi author David Brand that took the big voice in the Star Wars is not sci-fi debate. Before you read on, we we had a Twitter conversation, and that's kind of mm-hmm. where it came out of where he was dialoguing about it. Okay, go ahead. You had mentioned hearing it called fantasy. Other things I heard it called are science fantasy, high concept action adventure, and perhaps the best description of all, space opera. This latter is my favorite term. While I stand by my opinion, that is. It is poor science fiction. I'll be the first to say it is one of the greatest space opera flicks ever made. I would agree with that. I also note that Star Trek at one time was subject to a similar criticism of being science fantasy. Even Arthur C. Clarke, who was a fan and encouraged Roddenberry in his endeavor, granted that point. See reference one. There's some links down at the bottom I'll place in the show notes. Yet at the time passed, more and more Star Trek became either science fact or valid science theory. We've seen medical scanners, laser scalpels, communications, pads, sensors, voice recognition, computing, and more in real life. Even warp drives and transporters have become legitimate endeavors in the world of theoretical physics. In the case of Star Wars, I think a very old article from the New York Times puts it in context. The science of Star Wars is nonsense, and everyone knows it. But no one cares about Star Wars. is isn't about science. It's, it's epic drama. It's about those incredibly well-developed characters and the great moral decisions they face. People don't get into the debates about how the second Death Star works. They get into the debates about the ethics of blowing it up. 
see reference yeah. to. Right. So another link we'll put in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to start any form of Star Trek versus Star Wars debate, although that would be good. Um, but it simply highlights my point. Besides, the White Star Fleet, the White Star Fleet would chew up the Empire and then have the Federation for dessert. Uh, and the Empire, and then have the Federation for dessert. That's my obligatory Bab 5 pitch. Um <laughs> Go ahead. I certainly do agree on the importance of Star Wars and all good sci-fi that we get as a result. That's the reason it's it's on the list of most important sci-fi films. So to summarize, what was only my opinion, Star Wars, great movie, great adventure, great space, op- space opera, poor science fiction. Raul. Hmm. And I will include the links to the references that we have in the show notes to that. So, so what do you think about what Raul is saying here? Um, I, I would agree with a lot with what he has to say. The, the way I see it is, I mean, now, as you know, being an adult, I could definitely see that the, 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 there's the fantasy elements in Star Wars. I mean, the whole concept of the Force, um, and um, they're, 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 that's kind of mystical fantasy elements. It's in almost that. magic. What we already say magic, about yeah. So. It's both. It, it contains, you know, I mean, you have spaceships, you have laser guns. Um, and here's the thing. The moment that you set something in space, mm-hmm. it gets slapped with the label science fiction, whether correctly or incorrectly. You've never seen what you would call a fantasy series in space, and, unless it takes mm-hmm. place on another world and, and and has a fantasy elements. But then you're not traveling in space, typically. And, and they do address something in Star Wars. I mean... Faster than light travel. Okay, we we we're a long way off from inventing that, but at least Star Wars addresses if you if you want to travel interstellar distances, you need something that will make it possible, and and it's the hyperdrive, whatever the hyper. Right. It's akin to the warp drive, um, so you need something that will you know get you faster than light travel. Um, so there, are, so it, it contains both. Uh, that's it, it, it's it's both science fiction and it's both fantasy. That's you know there's. That's how I see it. I guess if you're going to go by the purists, that it has to be based in some realm of current thought or possibility, it doesn't hold up quite as well as Star Trek does now in retrospect. And I would agree with that. I would concede that point. I think that he's right there. I mean, Star Trek conceived that there were certain devices that would be there in, in, in their time. And in a lot of ways, we've kind of... Um, They've been invented, and, and some of them you can eclipse what, what Star Trek has envisioned. Yeah. Um, but but the original point was that that role was making was uh, of Star Wars importance in the Star War in in, in the in what what are the great science and no fiction one's and no one's going to disagree with him there. So the, I don't think so. The so yes, that's you know that, that that's where. So I it's think. important. It was certainly a great movie, great space opera. Whether it's true science fiction is up to debate and probably depends a little bit on how you define science fiction. Right. So if you want to weigh in on this, you can call us at one 888 508 Email us to at gmail.com. We have one more voicemail we got to play before we get out of here. And this is another one from Rick from Wisconsin, a little bit shorter than one. So let's hear what he has to say. Hi, this is Rick from Wisconsin calling for the Sci-Fi Diner Conversations show and had some uh, comments to share. I did watch another sci-fi-ish movie. We rented the newest Resident Evil uh, movie. If you like that series of films, uh, it is pretty much just like the others in a certain sense. Um, I like a few of the characters and the the, uh, stars that are in it, so I've enjoyed Continuing to watch the series, to me it's kind of like the game in the sense that um, each edition of the game kind of has an end point, each movie kind of has an end point, but there's always going to be a sequel and more uh, to go. Uh, on television, we said we did watch Zero Hour, and uh, that was kind of an interesting show. Um, but I'm not sure if I'm going to stick with it. And that's all I have today. Thanks. Uh, Rick, thanks again for calling in. He mentioned actually two things. First of all, I saw, did you see the latest Resident Evil movie? Oh, no. Oh, there's a, certainly a good reason to watch it. 
Really? Yeah, well, you know, the, the woman playing the main character. Oh, okay. <laughs> Mila Jolovich. What, Mila, was it jo- Jolovich? Or yeah. Whatever it mm-hmm. So, um, Jolovich. Uh, it was good. It was fun. It was a great treadmill movie again. A lot of action, a lot of shooting, and sexy women doing it. No one's going to argue with that. This is a good, it's, a, it's fun, and who cares if it's grounded in reality? Right. <laughs> you know, because quite frankly... Um, it's it's fun. It's a fun ride. You know so, what you're getting. Yes, and you you go into it, you know what to expect. But I would I, I want to talk about Zero Hour mm-hmm. because I had some other I had some f- friends of mine, a, a geeky female teacher at school, who just said, "You've got to check out Zero Hour. It's a blend of sci-fi, of of secrecy, of cells, and this is really good. You got to check it out. So I have a feeling this is a show that I'm going to try and check out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe Hulu will have it that I can check it out there. I don't know if I'm going to buy the series, but I'm kind of interested in seeing Zero Hour. Okay. Have you heard about it? I think I've heard the name, but I know, know nothing about it. I'm going to try and watch it, and I'll get back to you in my report of it. Okay. So sounds good. I believe that's about it for our listener feedback show. We appreciate Everyone that called in and everyone that wrote in and gave their thoughts on what they're watching, we really appreciate you guys so much. You guys help make the show possible. Sure. Uh, we love hearing your thoughts and stuff. If you want to weigh in on the whole Star Wars story or any of the other shows you're watching, movies that you're looking forward to, let us know. Call us at one 888 4343 You can email us to sci-fi at gmail.com. And because it's that time of the night... We should dim the lights, clear the table, start washing the dishes. You get on that. I'll spray for cockroaches. We should be good. We don't have any cockroaches here. Oh, that's right. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, till next time, good night and good luck. We will see ya. Wow, wow, wow.